Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Asha Packman. After a series of life events, including the diagnosis of a progressive rare blood cancer, Asha shifted from years as a global communications executive to focus on health and well-being. Asha now spends his time exploring mind, body, and the environment, and is a qualified mindset coach and meditation guide. Asher is also a certified HeartMath and Wim Hof Method instructor, and he is the current president of Meditation Australia. Asher, thank you so much for coming and chatting to me today. I was saying to you just before this started, the first ever podcast interview I did was about three or four years ago, probably, with, with you. And at that time, I you know sort of put the whole thing on hold, but it's good to have this full circle moment. I've known you for years and... Uh, I love everything you do. So yeah, thank you for coming and chatting to me today, mate. Oh man, it's a pleasure, Nick. It's good to be here. And uh, yeah, nice to kind of see these things come full circle. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I guess first question is, um, you know, probably a pretty common question. How are you and how have you been coping with this crazy period that we're all in (laughs) right now? Yeah, look, you know, I'm definitely feeling a little stretched. You know, I was saying before, Nick, you know, I've got a, I've got a six-year-old son and uh, obviously with the homeschooling and having him around a, a lot more, which is obviously in, in one sense a very beautiful thing. But um, on the other side of that coin, it sort of um, can stretch you a little in terms, of, in terms of getting everything done that you need to get done and finding your days are kind of filled up very quickly with kind of, you know, the homeschooling and looking after him. So um, I'm feeling stretched, but I also kind of feel that I'm going to look back on this when he's older and think that it was kind of a a beautiful opportunity in some sense. Yeah, exactly. I love that because it's sort of, um, I mean, it's like anything in life. It's like, it's difficult and, you know, you've got to face all these challenges. But if you can remind yourself that this is a unique period and we might this probably won't happen again so let's make the most of it let's you know even if it is hard reminding yourself that because i think you know i'm seeing it i think we're all seeing it so much in um society and people that are not coping well uh just you know suffering through it and complaining and you know waiting for it to be over and um i guess a lot of what i'm talking to you today about as well is going to be about how can we try and give people like that advice um, and a few tips about how they can cope better. So I think it's it's a really, really, really good point. So so many things I want to go into with you. Um, and th- and it, and also like with your own story, I'm sure this will organically get covered a little bit in the talk. But before we get going, can you give um, a bit of an abbreviated sort of overview? We always ask the guest at the beginning just to give a bit of an overview about you know where you came from and how you wound up to where you are now. And I know your stories. You know, we'll go into more detail as we get going. It's, a, it's, you know, you've got so many things that you've done and that's happened in your life, but just a, a bit of an overview before we get into it. Is that, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, um, you know, as you know, I was a corporate guy for a long time and, and kind of working my way up the, up the corporate ladder for, I guess, the best part of 20 years, you know, but I uh, had a lot of 
um, events happen in a pretty short space of time in my life around, well, I guess it began about a dozen years ago now, which um, I guess it began with my younger sister when she took her own life in 2007. Um, and Nick, you know, you and I, we've talked about that um, to some degree. And, and a couple of years later, my mum, who was, who was very sick with cancer, but she, she made the, the same decision to kind of take things into her own hands in terms of her journey. And, and um, she also took her own life. And um, shortly after that, I got diagnosed with blood cancer. So I had kind of this, these real moments of, of turning inwards and asking myself these big questions about um, my, what I was doing, you know, what, what was the meaning of life and what was the meaning of my existence and what did I really want to get out of this, this one opportunity I have on the planet, you know? Um, mm. And as a result of that, I guess it came about that just in terms of my healing, both from the experiences and also with my journey with cancer, I started looking at you know different um, different wellness techniques, I guess. And, and the big thing that came out for me was meditation, and and I became very passionate um, in terms of my meditation practice. And and it became very clear to me that my calling in life was to teach meditation. And then it's kind of broadened from there, you know. So. Um, I guess, you know, here I am uh, 12, 13 years later and, and I'm looking after uh, Meditation Australia, um, which is kind of the industry body that um, uh, represents all the meditation teachers across Australia and New Zealand. I've um, got a studio in St Kilda, physical studio, which you've been in a few times now. Um, and then I also have, a, a, um, a, a, I guess, a... Um, a collective, I suppose you'd call it, online, which is kind of where we work exclusively with men. So there are kind of these different elements um, of my life now, but all circulating around meditation and around wellness techniques. Yeah, and it, it's an, an amazing story what you've you've been through. And a lot of what I talk about on this podcast is that whole thing about external and internal validation. And I guess there's no better person to talk to about that than you, you know, with what you went through and how the you know just going through such severe events to really teach you what's important in life and you know then tailoring your own life and what you're um, putting out into the world through those experiences and um, we all get caught up in it it's so hard not to get caught up in all of the uh, you know different information and um, you know capitalism consumerism and just everything we're thrown at with you know screens and social media all day every day um, so I think it's a really important topic to to talk about, and there's no better example than than you. It, it, I, I guess sort of for you was it so the big catalyst for going from the the corporate world, and you know I know you were very very successful in what you were doing. Um, was that from these uh, personal tragedies and your own turmoil that was the turning point, or was it something that was sort of niggling at you even before that? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question, Nick, because I, I, I come from um, a kind of long line of, of anxious depressives on one side to a certain degree, if I can sort of say it that way. But yeah, I mean, even from an early age, you know, I recognised in myself that I, I, I was carrying a fairly large degree of, of anxiety and depression. I call it like the, the dark passenger on, on my shoulder. And I even remember as a, you know, as a young teenager kind of having to kind of uh, at least I was quite challenged um, at times with periods of depression and stuff like that. So that, but I was very high functioning, you know. And mm. there'll be plenty of people out there who who resonate with that. So you know, I was able to you know get on in the world. I did all the things, went to school and university, and ended up um, 
you know, working in the corporate world, but all, all along, you know, I, I was kind of fighting this internal battle and, and it would come in waves and, you know, you'd kind of have your ways of, of dealing with it, but not really looking at it properly, just kind of, as I called it, my, my dark passenger, you know. So um, I guess, you know, in, in some sense, I kind of needed the universe to come along and, and, and give me a very serious nudge to kind of turn the dial um, inwards, you know, and, and it's interesting that you were saying around a lot of people kind of model success on their outward experience and the external successes, like you know the material wealth and the houses and the cars and the and the and the title, the job title and the and the salary and all that sort of stuff. And it's often t and not until you have a, um, a really serious what you'd consider an adverse event that you actually look inwards and start asking yourself some questions. But I think if most people are honest with themselves, they've had that niggling feeling mm -hmm. in their gut all the way along that maybe there's something more or maybe that they're not quite on their purpose. Or But it takes a catalyst. Um, and I always say that the universe will give you a lesson at the level that you need to hear it. Um, yeah. and, and so for me, I'd have, if I look back now, there'd been plenty of hints for me to kind of stop and take notice and pay attention and turn inwards and start examining myself. But it wasn't until these big, huge events came along that I actually did it because that was the level of lesson that I needed. You know, things were going well corporately and, you know, I seemed to have all the successes in the external world and it wasn't quite enough for me to investigate that niggle. Um, yeah. And yeah. then all these things happened and I was forced to. I mean, mate, I ended up in a psych ward, so you know it got to you know about as low as you can as you can get you know yeah 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 and and from like you know like we're saying from being incredibly successful at what i guess you know setting out before you you know went and achieved what you did in in that external world um that you would have been saying to yourself if i ever get to that point that's when i'm going to be happy or have permission to be happy and i guess you get there and then you're not because it's based on the wrong things and I, I until you change that no matter what level you reach there's no end to it you're not gonna you're not gonna ever be able to find that that peace you know, no you're right life. you're right and and the interesting thing is that the more success you get and the more that happiness doesn't seem to come you, you just keep chasing that same formula it's like oh well i just need more of it then because i obviously haven't got enough because i'm still not happy so i'm just going to keep chasing that model because that's the only model of success and happiness that I know, you know? Um, and yeah, it's not until these things happen that you kind of understand that, you know, we've heard, we've all heard that cliche, you know, happiness is an inside job. And um, you, it, it, sometimes it takes a, a, almost like a cataclysmic event to kind of make you realize that. And so now if I look back on those things, you know, it's not, I never label things good or bad anymore, but I certainly can't look back and, and say that, that I regret those things because there's been so many gifts from them, you know, even, even, mm. even cancer, which is still with me today, it, it, it still keeps giving gifts, you know, it keeps me so anchored to the moment, you know, when, when, when I'm playing with my six-year-old son, for example, it's like the uncertainty of a cancer diagnosis, it's just every moment becomes just so precious with my son and, you know, it's almost a shame that it took cancer to teach me that because that's true for every single human being on the planet. We don't know how much time we've got and life is mm. very, very uncertain. Um, and so, you know, just the very fact that one day we're going to die should teach you that lesson, but for some reason it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, and I think for that same reason, it's why there are so many people 
struggling in a very dramatic way with what's happening in the world, you know, at the moment. Um, and yes, it is difficult, and there are things that we can't deny that are difficult about it. But um, I think it's when something really big like this happens, the normal vices that we have, or the excuses we can, you know, put in front of ourselves, or the you know rationale and reasoning, or whatever it is to just avoid having to confront um, that niggling thing. You know, we can always get away from it. You can't really get away from something when it's so widespread. And, and then that's when people panic because they think, oh, I don't want to think about that. I, you know, how can I, I don't know what to do. Um, and like you said, the reality of it is we never, we don't have complete certainty with almost anything. So mm. uh, there's, and that's, that shouldn't be something that we want to avoid thinking about. It should be, thinking about that can liberate us because then it makes us realize, hang on, then if I am never going to have certainty and there's never going to be a be-all, end-all answer, I can give myself permission to just be happy right now and enjoy what I'm doing rather than waiting for permission. And um, I mean, there's another, yeah, I, I guess another thing I want to ask you about that, which I find, I, I guess I, I, I'm interested, I find this really a struggle in my own life where I'm still ambitious and, you know, I'm doing things I want to do for, you know, I think the right reasons and, you know, but how how do you stay true to yourself and in line with that while, you know, operating in a world where all we're really fed daily are these values about, you know, trying to compete and um, these external values? Like, it's a hard balance to find. Like, do you, do you see that as being something pretty... A difficult thing to navigate yeah look it, it's difficult in the sense that i think you've got to be quite disciplined about it and and, and you know this is where practices like meditation and this internal mm. focus really help out because you start to um be able to differentiate between your own authentic voice and the voice of say society or your family or all these other ex- external pressures which start to impinge upon your own values you know, and then when you start to un- uncover what your true purpose is and what your true true value is, you've got to start to kind of, um, yeah, filter out some of that external noise and try to understand and hear your own truth coming through that, um, if that makes sense. But yeah, in, in talking Definitely. to some of the, just, just in touching on what you were saying earlier mm. as well, I mm. think that um, this idea that these these events that, that, that come upon us and seeing the gift in them, we're kind of, I, I feel like, humanity as a collective is kind, of, is kind of going through something similar that we go through in our personal transformation. It's just, you know, like for me, going through it, I went through kind of, we're doing that on a collective level right now. And, and you're right, you know, things like death are being, you know, really put under the spotlight. And our, our own individual and, and, and collective relationship with death is being examined right now. And um, certainly in the West, it's, it's been found wanting. You know, we've kind of, in the West, we've particularly, we've kind of put those types of conversations, we sweep them under the rug and we don't want to talk about them, you know. Well, now we really don't have a choice because we know we're being presented with how many people died from from COVID every single day. Um, But really, it's been there all along, you know. I mean, you know, 450 people on average in Australia die every single day. It's just that it's not splattered right across the headlines so we don't have to think about it, you know. Um, exactly yeah 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 there's so many you know and from so many different areas and you know things like suicide are not talked about um publicly and you know a whole range of different areas so it is it sort of brought it to that to that forefront where we we sweep it under the rug 
normally yeah. but you can't you can't avoid it now so yeah people are having to confront these things yeah and also this yeah. element of, of control which you which you were talking about before this mm. idea that everything feels out of control and when, when you were saying that i was reminded of a beautiful um beautiful saying with which which the buddhists use a lot which is you know in the west we tend to say panic everything's out of control um and the buddhists would say relax everything's out of control yeah, <laughs> very very simple reframing of it, but a vastly different sort of outcome of how you feel. Which, yeah, yeah. Which it's, and it's a crazy thing, you know, it's like everything is just how we frame it in our mind. It's like, you know, if we tell ourselves a story for long enough, good or bad, we'll believe it. It'll become our truth, whether it's actual reality or not. And mm. we do have that power in our mind to um, decide, you know, how we want to respond to things and what we want to have affect us and not affect us or whatever. So it's, um, it's a yep. powerful thing. Yeah, it is. And, and, and when you understand that just because of the way the brain's wired, that the, mm. the, the vast majority of the stories that we tell ourselves are, are negatively biased because that's basically a, a survival mechanism. You know, yeah. it's, it's actually far better. Like the brain just wants you to survive. And yeah. the, the thought there's a bear around the corner um, is more likely to keep you alive than there's not a bear around the corner. Because, you know, because one time out of however many, you're going to be right and you're going to be prepared. But the unfortunate thing is, is that most of the time you're wrong, but you're behaving like there is. Exactly. It's not really, it doesn't serve us in day-to-day life most of the time. So we've got to be conscious of that thinking and really aware of how we can keep reframing it and reprogramming our mind to look at things in a different way rather than acting out of fear all of the time. Yeah, and, and maybe even think about it this way. It's like back in the day, like back, you know, our, our ancestral cavemen, you know, they had an awful, yeah, they were often, a, there was a bear around the corner, you know, so they were kind of <laughs> having to be in that frame of mind, you know, uh, it, it was working for them. But now, you know, in, in contemporary modern times, we don't have those those risks anymore, but the brain's still trying to operate that way, you know? And I, I actually think that's why we see a lot of OCD and people on the spectrum because... Um, in that sense, because, you know, now we get completely obsessed about a scratch on the car or something like that, because there's, there's less things for the brain to actually worry about that are threatening our lives. Does that make sense? That so, makes perfect sense. And yeah, yeah. I guess what, what comes to mind for me with that is, would you think a lot of that's because less things to worry about? So they're, you know, looking at those things, but if they, if they, if people had more, um, meaning and, you know, a deeper, you know, level of understanding of why they're doing things and we're doing that questioning, I guess, do you think that would avoid some of those behaviours because it's almost a coping mechanism because, you know, I I need to find things to distract myself because I'm not really feeling fulfilled through what I'm doing because there's not, you know, we're not taking that time to really look at, hang on, what what do I really want to value? What's my real meaning here? Um, It's more just being reactive. Yeah, I think there's that. And I also think that, as I said, you know, the, the default mode of the brain is to, is to worry about stuff. And so if there's not yeah. that much stuff to worry about, an, an unexamined mind will just find something to worry about. So, you know, I think this, yeah. is why, yeah. this is why iPhone cases are a billion dollar business. Because at the end of the day, who really cares if you've got a scratch on your iPhone? Well, for some reason, we do. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's completely not important. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, it's just the, the molecules of your iPhone have been slightly rearranged and, and, and you think one version is prettier than another version and you're prepared to spend a lot of money on keeping it that way. It's just, it's actually quite ridiculous. 
But this yeah. is the way the brain works. Um, and that's why practices like meditation and as we were talking before, um, disciplinary practices about keeping the mind in check um, are so important, you know, because meditation's kind of, it's kind of, it's going against, it's not going with the flow. In some sense, it's going against the flow because the flow is, is worry if, if, if in, in terms of the default mode network of the brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the thing. The default mode is worry and the brain tells you that, oh no, but just when I, you know, when I deal with this or get this done or whatever, whatever the current, you know, biggest issue is, then I'll be okay. Then it's okay. Just this, just this. Mm, and mm. that's the tricky thing about it because you sort of, you know, you fall, you fall victim to that and think, okay, all right, doesn't matter. I'll do all the meditation, all these other things when I finally just get everything sorted. And yeah, as, as long I, I as love you, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's so true. I like to say that the brain tends to, the phrase is when conditions are right, then then I'll do whatever. And and we just have to remind ourselves that conditions will never be right. Yep. Um, Yep. This is life. There's no such thing as perfect, is there? No, you'll be on your death, you'll you'll be on your deathbed going, you know, (laughs) conditions were never right. So I didn't do all these things. Absolutely. Like I, I remember when I, you know, I moved to Vancouver last year, I'm back in Melbourne at the moment, but I'd wanted to do it for a year and a half, I think it was. And it kept getting put off conditions. I was writing for the right conditions and it got to a point where I thought I've just got to go. And mm. I was like, I was observing my mind and it's going crazy, imploding, saying you're going to ruin all the good work you've done in mental health over here. And no one's going to, you know, be interested in what you have to say over there you you know blah blah and people actually in my ear saying the same thing and so then I was like okay I've got my mind telling me this I've got all these people almost everyone in my life saying don't do it and I knew I wanted to do it so I was like I've got to go and it's it's made me realize I guess to another level just how difficult you know even when you're aware of this stuff in your own life and you're trying to go against it um how difficult it is to try and then um teach this to other people and help them understand and change society in that in that way it's a big monumental thing to get across because there's so many things going against us um you know just going and following our, our gut and turning them turning that thinking thing off yeah no i agree and i'm sure that you know you went over there and and some things went better than planned and other things went worse and you had a, you probably had an experience you, you probably couldn't have predicted in in that way and and that's that's life you know, um, any choice you make, you're not choosing a whole bunch of other choices. And if you think you can really kind of predict what's going to happen, you're kind of, you're basically gambling the knowledge that you've gained and your thin slice of experience versus every moment in the universe it ever was and ever could be. And you're saying, I'm right. <laughs> it's pretty Which arrogant, you- actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like that way of looking at it. Yeah, exactly. It is pretty arrogant when you look at it like that. And, and yeah, but, and that's a, I guess I like what you said about that because it's just so simple really, isn't it? It's like whatever decision I make, there's going to be some good things, some bad things, and there's no right or wrong decision. If I don't do this, then there might be some good and bad things that happen. If I do do it, there'll be some good and bad things, and neither one Mm. of them is better or worse. They're different experiences, so it's like what do I want to – what's going to be best for Mm. me right now? But um, Yeah, and and how do you even know? Like when we say good or bad, want, don't want, we're coming from ego. Because again, mm. you know, how that do you labeling. know what's good? For, how, how do you know what's good for you? You know, um, Rumi had a very has a lovely quote. He says, "Always be suspicious of what you want." And I, um, that, yeah. I, I think that's really important because 
you know, something happens to you and your brain automatically goes, that was a good thing or that was a bad thing. How do you know? Like extrapolate 10 years forward, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Like even, even, even things which seem obviously bad, like you have a car accident or something like that, you know, a minor car accident, but maybe it prevents you from doing something else that would have happened later on that day, which could have been utterly cataclysmic. You know, it's like, I don't know. You just, you just, you can never tell. I mean, you can't you can't make judgment calls like that. I mean, a big example for me would be like getting cancer. Mm. Um, it's like that, you know, when, when, I, when I was in Cabrini Hospital and given, given that news, it seemed on the surface like a pretty bloody bad day, right? But now, oh, 10 years later, I can't possibly say that because of all the people that I met, all the things that have happened, you know. Um, you know, I could make the case that my son wouldn't exist unless I had cancer. So yeah, if, is... if I have to give my cancer back, I have to give my son back and that's not going to happen. So therefore I'm keeping the cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's pretty profound mode and it's like, mm. and then I guess once you've really experienced that on the level that you have, then you can, it, it makes it, you know, you, you can clearly live your life that way of knowing, no, I'm not going to, it's not right to judge these things or to say what's right or wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which it go sort of brings me back to something I wanted to ask before as well, like, which, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to this, but, you know, you, like what you were saying, you know, it often takes something so extreme to make someone make a change. And, you know, we might, most of us, like you were talking about, sort of feel, okay, you know, I'm, something's not right here, but I'm still not going to make the change. How, like, what can people do when, you know, they are feeling like that to try and actually make some change rather than, you know, waiting because I guess they say you know the you, most people don't change unless the pain of not changing um, outweighs the pain of of changing. So, if we become aware of that, what are some things we can start to do? Do you think to to try and start you know moving our life in a in a different direction? yeah? Well, once again, you know, and, and you know me, I'm going to continue to talk about meditation till till mm. we're all. <laughs> uh, yeah so i mean it's some sort of contemplation meditation practice or a journaling practice like we've got to find ways to talk to um talk to that inner psyche somehow and, and create a dialogue and it's not just going to happen by remote control you've got to actually get a bit disciplined and other you know for, for most for, for most of us some form of meditation or some form of journaling or, or just you know even just going for a contemplative walk is, is a good place to start, but you've just got to open up the channels of dialogue and conversation with your inner self. You've just got to turn the focus away from everything that's going on around you in the external world and just get to know um, the internal world as well, you know, w whatever that looks like. Um, and a lot of people just are not comfortable in doing that because a lot of what you find in there is, it can be quite you know, uncomfortable to begin with. Mm -hmm. But the beauty is that you know the gold is in the is in that discomfort you know it's kind of like it's not just waiting under the pillow for you to seize it you've actually got to go and you know dig through the mud a little bit um so you know any discomfort you find when you first turn inwards which you've been trying to avoid you build a lot of walls up around it you you've got to understand that you're actually walling off yourself from your true gift as well mm -hmm. um you know in you know what they say robert Bly say um show me a man's wound and i'll show you where his genius is that's beautiful as well, yeah, and mate. So many. I got to write all these down. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we're recording this. I can listen back and <laughs> they're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. But the, yeah. the point is, you know, a wound is is an opening. It's not necessarily good or bad. Again, we mm. get back to that mm. idea of labeling, mm. and um, and so 
examining these wounds because what we do is we seal them off. Yep. Um, but it's kind of like sealing off. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark sealing off the tomb. He has to go through a lot of crap, but at the end of it, there's gold, but you've got to go in there. you got to go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I guess it's like... Um we're taught the like do you feel like the big the big problem the bigger problem here is just the way that western society is structured that we you know we're taught from a very very young age that this is what's right and this is what's wrong it's you know this black and white thinking and we're not taught about the stuff we're talking about here in school and you know in broader education um it makes it so difficult because it's so embedded in our psyche and in society to um to go and make that change? Like, do you feel like the really, you know, the big sort of picture change needs to come from those fundamental societal um, norms that we're presented with? Like, is that yeah. sort of how we can change it on a big scale, do you think? I think that's one way of looking at it. I think that, you know, we're taught that um, what I'd call plumbed learning or academic intelligence is what is going to make you successful, which is all about your head, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, there's two kinds of intelligence and the other one's right in the centre of your chest. And, and we don't, you know, I'd love to see more heart intelligence being taught to, to younger kids, which is how I'm trying to educate my little, little guy. And yeah. um, this is who we really are. This is behind the head intelligence. The heart actually comes first. You know, even physiologically, science shows us that, you know, the, the integration point of all our experiences in life you know, um, is the heart, not the head. And you know, we've sort of been forced out of our heart in, by, by these models of success that society gives, gives us. So I think that's kind of where you're at least aiming at um, yeah. in terms of that, what you were just saying before. But I think it's a matter of just getting back down into our hearts. And a lot of us have walled that place off because there's a lot of trauma and a lot of discomfort in there. And, and you know, sometimes I say you know, that the, the longest journey we'll ever make as a human being is at eight inches between your head and your heart. Which, yeah, so, so true, mate. Um, mm. And that's the thing. And I think the because we're um, everything's so accessible now and every, you know, at our fingertips through technology, we can, you know, if, we, if we're not feeling, if something's confrontational, we can just open up our phone and call someone, look at social media, you know, whatever. Um, so people are more avoidant than ever of, looking within like that and i think that's a message that people need to understand that it is not something that's going to be comfortable or easy but it's going to be fulfilling and if you're willing to go and do that the end outcome is you're going to have such a richer you know broader view on life long term and be able to think about things differently so it's sort of Mm. um yeah avoiding that you know quick fix nature of thinking that we've again been conditioned for um, yeah yeah and here's another thing man i might layer this on top it's like often the way we're taught that the internal comforts this is about this form of spirituality which is all about ascendance it's all about going up like we're all about you know third eye and and kind of peak experiences which are which are going upwards you know when we say we're all one we're all connected it's sort of this idea of you know the connected universe and it feels like ascendancy you know um mm. And um, I think we've got to learn to go the other way too because the descent, that's soul work. So, so spiritual work might be going up, but there's soul work and that's about, you know, we talk about the depth of someone's soul 
And um, there's a call to descend as well as a call to ascend to find this internal wisdom. But descending requires descending into the earth and spending time underground and being uncomfortable. But as I said, that's where the gold is and that's where the, the diamonds are. But it's very much something that we, we don't... Um, it feels... Um, the antithesis of what's required from us you know everyone says this idea of being positive all the time and being up you know we even use the cliche being up all the time well there's another way um yes and and there's soul wisdom down there and you know the idea of being down which we talk about from a mental health perspective as a bad thing you know and and yes of course you know mental health and depression of course there's all the issues around that but the idea of being um a bit down there's there can actually be some benefit and some gold in that if you're willing to be comfortable in that place for a while do, do you know what i mean um, oh absolutely and i think yeah. that's you know a big um a big issue again with you know mental health it's like sort of that understanding that it's okay you know i think the biggest thing is the biggest thing i try and advocate for is we just need to be okay to talk authentically and honestly and openly about anything um mm. and like you're saying there's no it's not good or bad it, it, it's incredibly important that we can express emotion and it's very healthy to feel bad and if we didn't feel you know these uncomfortable emotions then we wouldn't you know then there wouldn't be beauty in other things as well and um i think the danger of what can happen is people just get to a point where they feel any slight negative emotion and try and say, oh no, I need, I need help right now. Or I need to avoid that or I need, you know, so it's, of course, if someone's suffering, they need to know where to go and how to get help and what to do and all those sort of things. But also understanding that, like you're saying, I think it's so important that people realize it's not only okay to feel sad or down or, you know, have an emotional reaction to something. It's actually really healthy and it's Very, important yeah. that you know if you bo- if you hold on to that you're gonna you're gonna explode. It would be like sort of um, tip filling a rubbish bin full of rubbish and stomping it down and you know stomping on it until the point where it just all absolutely explodes everywhere. It's just incredibly unhealthy. No, I, I'd agree. And, and imagine if we were able to reframe it. So if you were feeling a little bit down, you connected it to thoughts of maybe I'll learn something about myself or maybe there's some gold down here or, you know, and it, it's okay to feel that way and it's not going to last forever. And rather than trying to say, got to think happy thoughts and, and you sort of get into this realm. I, I sometimes call it the positivity pandemic. You know, it's a bit, um, it's a bit, you know, we're, we're kind of bypassing the way we are as humans. Actually, we're meant to have all, all range of emotions and even the idea of good and bad emotions to me is, is we get back to that, that idea of labeling things. Like yeah. you, they're yeah. just, they're all just emotions, you know? I mean, um, yeah. w- w- William Blake had a beautiful way of looking at emotions, like back in the day, the beautiful poet, you know, he said that em- emotions are divine influxes. They're actually, they exist as energies kind of outside us and they come and, and they, they make visitations upon us. They visit us and, and we don't look at them as good or bad. They're just, they come in different forms and, mm. and they're all there to, um, they're all there to provide us with potential wisdoms. And so when you're feeling a certain way, you know, think of it as a divine influx and think before it disappears, um, what can I learn from it? Um, you know, and, and, and I think suddenly you give them this, this, this quality, this sacred quality that you actually honor them in you, whether they make you feel comfortable or uncomfortable, you know. I mean, obviously, if they stick around too long, then then 
you know, things need to be done, and you've talked about that a lot beautifully, but just reframing the whole situation is, is helpful because otherwise you, you feel something which feels uncomfortable and all of a sudden something's wrong and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not necessarily the case. Um, maybe you stay with it, you learn the beautiful wisdom and all these things are transient, right, eventually. Everything so, everything is, yeah. No, I'm thinking course. about this a lot. As I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, shit, I'm like, yeah, saying, you know, the good and bad and whatever and it's, yeah. you know, I'm realizing that, you know, how ingrained it is into the thinking and how, how, you know, destructive that can be, I guess, from labeling like that. So yeah, it, it, it's such an important thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I try to, I try to avoid that, that, that good, bad, want, don't want. I think these are all, these are all kind of the, the game that the, the ego tries to play with you. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting, man. It's, um, yeah, interesting. It, it is interesting and um i i guess like um another thing i wanted to ask yeah so what what's your main focus with you know work at the moment you've got um the fifth direction what that you yeah yeah so you're doing so, and you do a lot of wim hof as well and um mm. yeah just interested in and yeah like you said with you you're the the president of meditation australia is it yeah or, yep, yeah that's right yep. yeah so, um yeah. yeah the president my god sounds like a yeah a haughty a, title, but uh, got a la- label there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a label there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so obviously the studio is closed um, in St Kilda, um, given the current situation. So um, we're doing a little bit of stuff online there, but obviously it's a very abridged version of what we generally offer our members. Um, but the uh, like, I'm doing a lot of work with men at the moment, and you know, you'd know as well as I do, you know, issues with with with, with men and and st- and suicide statistics and mental health issues for men's obviously something that's close to my heart. You know, I, I tend to operate in the areas where I have experience, and so often I'll work with people with chronic illness or cancer. I, I work with people who've who, who've had you know suffered suicide in the family, or or or. And I also happen to be a man as well, so I guess that gives me some experience in that area. Um, and the men's stuff that we've been doing has really kind of um, taken off a bit during this period because we were kind of operating online to a degree anyway, and we've been able to kind of really expand um, on the work that we've been doing within um, that organisation, which is called Warrior Within. And you know now there's around 500 guys that, that we've touched through our various uh, groups and um, you know, we're running like a- around 35 sessions a month on, on Zoom, um, everything from breath work to meditation to, to, to physical movement classes to men's circles to mythology and storytelling, which we're very big on because I believe that that's a lost art. Um, you know, if you look at our indigenous cultures, for example, how important the song lines and the storytelling was, we've, we've, we've definitely lost it, particularly in the West. So we're trying to bring back the telling of these old kind of mythic tales because they're maps to how to live. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, very big on the mythology. And, and it's just that I'm re- becoming extremely passionate about that side of my work right now um, and just watching how... Um, how men have we've been able to just change lives you know um get letters and emails saying you know if i hadn't found this group i probably wouldn't be on the planet anymore and Um, it's like it's just like whoa we're making a difference here and it just it just lights me up i mean there's nothing more powerful than that really to be able to provide that you know to 
to know that you're doing something that is giving people that kind of value and I know in in men it is it's so needed you know we're taught as men that we're you know there's still this stigma about it we're not meant to show emotion or we're not meant to talk about these things and I guess that's why it's so powerful what you're doing have, have you seen at the beginning is it is that the sort of you know a lot of the men that join these groups have they really felt that difficulty at the beginning that it's um you know they haven't known how they're meant to go about talking about more emotional sort of things that world oh some of it's around emotional literacy but a lot of it comes back <coughs> to what we, what we were talking about at the start of this conversation nick this this you know they have a certain um mo for how the world should be and and, and what right. success looks like and then all of a sudden these adverse events come along and they're just not prepared so you know a lot of men will, will show up um in, in our group when something's happened like you know they've lost their job they've they've um broken up with their wife they've had a health scare mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and it's it's something has gotten in behind the armor which they've put up you know the mask that they've been wearing and something's yeah. pen penetrated that and then they have no skills no tools and and they're not talking the emotional literacy as well you know so finding a place where you look around and everyone's the same and and we're all struggling with these similar issues um and all of a sudden it's okay to talk about yours and then you you know this this like brotherhood is medicine and and, yeah. and women tends to do it more naturally um and us guys like we don't realize how much we crave brotherhood until we find brotherhood um and i don't mean like a mate down the pub that could be brotherhood but that it also might just be conversations that sort of stay on the surface and don't really dig mm -hmm. in um but to be able to sit around with a bunch of guys and really dig into some of the some of the some of the gritty stuff that lies beneath the surface and 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 figure stuff out together and and it's just beautiful to watch how that unfolds you know um and then yeah. layering in layering in disciplines like meditation and moving your body which are also critical um yeah it's just uh it's it's been beautiful yeah it's amazing mate and it's uh, it's nice that that's another thing through covid where i guess it's been something that you've probably it had the ability to expand it through because it has been going through that you know technology medium and doing it online it's given you that opportunity which i think there's always whatever happens you know you can still find ways to keep things moving forward in in that way um yeah so well yeah, the beauty that, of it yeah the beauty of it's been nick that you know until you know we started this this group in 2017 but it's just been melbourne you know um right. and and now you know I, I get on we have a free men's circle that we operate every tuesday night and now there's people from all over the world like london and canada and um, Hong Kong and, and not to mention, you know, other cities in Australia. So suddenly, you know, when I get in, when we get in our Zoom things and we're doing a meditation together, I look around the room and, and there's people from everywhere. And, you know, we've even got teachers teaching for us now from other countries. Um, there's a couple of Canadian guys doing wow. some, some, some stuff for us and it's seamless. And, and like, I wouldn't have never even have considered that that was a possibility until now. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, mate. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing thing that comes out of it. Um, mm. Is there, what would be the, is there, what's the most common issue? I mean, you you mentioned it before, but are there common things that are coming up with men you're finding through through the work you've done? What would be the a couple of the most common problems they they face? I guess you're saying, you know, not having that um, ability to really connect with other men and have that. 
camaraderie and those kind of things are there are there very common things that you see that as a result of um the way that we're living and how we're conditioned that come up in in these groups yeah look i just think um um a, a lot of times it's relationship based you know i'd say probably the number one thing of guys coming to us is you know a breakdown of a relationship mm-hmm. um and maybe there's some stuff in there around you know access to kids and you know there's all, all it's all wrapped up in that kind of relationship side of things um but yeah i mean it can be it's such a broad range you know do you know what makes me really happy is the fact that young men turning up like literally 20 21 22 for no other reason than just wanting to be better you know um and i think that's so you know getting ahead of the curve and and it actually gives me a lot of faith about where masculinity and manhood is going like and i sit around in these circles and i see guys that age you know on a tuesday night really sitting and really listening to like a guy in his 60s sort of saying something of worth and of value and 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 they're there and they're soaking it all up like a sponge i mean when i was that Mm. age you know i was down the pub getting drunk and and you know and picking up girls and the idea if you said to me go and sit in a circle with a bunch of old men and 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 shut up and listen i'd be you know, a hundred miles away from that. And, and that yeah. gives me a lot of, yeah, it just gives me a lot of, um, yeah, it just fills me with, with hope, I guess, um, to watch these young guys actually putting in the hard yards and doing the work now. And then, you know, when they read, you know, cause obviously stuff's going to happen to them, you know, they're going to lose their jobs and, you know, life is, life does that, you know, it puts you in the mm-hmm. grinder. And, um, you know, I would imagine by doing this work at an early age, they're going to build the skill sets and the tools and the resilience to know what to do when they when that happens, and they're going to be better brothers and better fathers and better husbands and better colleagues and and better men, as a result. Absolutely, yeah, and it, it shows. You know, I guess like that would not have been people wouldn't have been as open to those kind of forums at that young of an age. You know, probably even ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Um, it shows the big change that we are making, which, like you're saying, I think it's it's a promising thing when we are seeing so much negativity and such extreme things happening in the world to see that, well, people are wanting to change. You know, they're wanting to explore things. They're wanting to have these forums to, to really be able to look at a different way of thinking. So it's, it's a really yeah, and Yeah, and you sort of need these initiatory boys young men particularly they need these and young girls obviously of course they need these initiative experiences to kind of um send them on their way into adulthood you know i think most of the time we're seeing boys initiating boys and girls initiating girls um and you can see the result of that you know and and i think things like social media really don't help with that kind of thing because a lot of that initiatory process takes place often through those mediums and we're seeing the result of that now and it's it's it can get quite ugly so yeah. I think what we also need, as well as, you know, these, these young men and young women sort of doing the work and turning inwards and looking at themselves earlier, is we also need elders who are willing to, um, to help these people, these younger, our younger generation, to kind of make this transition into adulthood. Because right now I don't see a lot of healthy eldership. I don't see a lot mm. of... Uh, um, and, and eldership is not oldership. You don't, you don't just become an elder just by the fact that you've been on the planet for a while and you've got a, a larger number attached to your name in terms of number yeah. of years and number of rotations of the, uh, you know, of the sun. It's, you've got to want to be an elder and you've got to actually put in, in the work. Um, yep. 
And, and so the other side of the coin that I'm seeing in these circles is older men, like in their 60s, perhaps reaching retirement, who are, who are now passionate and proactively wanting to help these younger men, you know, transition into the world of adulthood in a healthy way. So it, it's both sides of, of, of the coin. And, and Which I'm is a beautiful it. thing. Yeah. Mm. It is a beautiful... Yeah. And it, cause it, it, that's, it's such a tricky time, you know, when you are transitioning at that age, like... You haven't had a lot of life experience. You're really not going off a lot of information, and you know you're very vulnerable. You're very malleable to whatever people tell you. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. Well, let's maybe not good or bad or whatever the word yeah, is. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm using good and bad again. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're so malleable to it. So it it is so important we have that. And you know, mm. as you said, um, same as me. Like I, I wish I had that at that age. I was completely, you know, off the rails and didn't know where to go and didn't know who to listen to or how to find the right information. And there's so mm. many examples of that because we just, we finish at school and then we're thrown out into the world and we're meant to have all the answers and how can you, and you haven't had a chance to explore anything. No, that's right. And, and Nick, the thing is that, you know, um, a lot of us rely on our mother and our father to give us those examples and to kind of mentor us into adulthood. And they're actually not cut out for the job because they mm. want something for you, which is actually different from your fullest potential like because essentially they want you to be have a nice safe steady stable career and kind of basically not die <laughs> yeah. yeah and um and, and be around for them when they get older and and, all, and do and provide them grandchildren and you know there's their own stuff that they need too which is perfectly perfectly fine but what you need um is an elder you know man or, or woman um, who is kind of less interested in, in protecting you and keeping you safe, but more interested in making sure that you, um, you reach your fullest potential. So they're likely to sort of push you closer to the edge of the cliff in order to see what you can do than your mum and your dad might do. So, 100%. Yeah. yeah, so you need these other elders in your life um, other than your mother and your father. Um, you absolutely, of course, they play a critical role, but it's different. It's different. Um, and that also means that you... Um, when you're thinking about what your mother and your father did for you, you're not going to be so critical because yeah. maybe you're expecting of them to do things which you're actually not supposed to do. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, you know, dad never showed me this. It's like, well, he wasn't supposed to. Yep. You know? And and, and <laughs> yeah. having the ability to, I think the older you get, you can look at it and think, hang on, you know what? You know what? My parents they did the best they could with the knowledge they have and they mm. you know it's coming from the right place and certain things that you get frustrated about you realize well there's probably on the other side of the spectrum things that i haven't been able to offer them that they're thinking you know what the hell why can't he see things from this perspective and yeah it's absolutely yeah. fine like we're not we don't have to always see eye to eye or everyone's going to have different viewpoints but mm. as long as you know the place that it's coming from and then like you're saying, giving yourself that ability to not make decisions based on pleasing people or doing what you're told you should do, but doing what you know is actually right for you. Because yep. what's the point, really? If you can go through a whole life and do technically everything you're meant to do and that you're told you should do and get to the end of your life and you know feel like you've never truly lived and you've bottled up all this resentment and frustration, but you've, you know on the surface, done everything you should, well, what's the point? Yeah, and, and this is getting back to why, you know, say in my life, you know, some of these more um, difficult events in my life, these are the tuning forks, which, mm. which, which kind of 
give rise to that voice of, of who you really are. It's like, I can tell you what, you know, going through what I've been through and what many people out there listening and, and you yourself have been through, you, you, you know what's important. Like, yeah. like the stuff that's not important gets stripped away pretty quick. Um, yeah. and, and you're left with this kind of a pretty clear indication of, 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 of who you are and, 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 and who you want to be and, you know, almost what you need to do to get there. So kind of, I call it the river of purpose. You sort of, you get thrown into the middle pretty quick and, and you learn how to swim. Um, so, so yeah, you know, this is, this is, you know, we're talking about the arc of life here. We're talking about some pretty broad, broad topics, but, you know, back, back to the parents yeah. stuff, Nick, I'd say, I'd say, you know, we, um, a, a lot of us, and, and I, I include myself in this, we, we put far too much expectation on them in terms of what, what we think they're supposed to teach us. I mean, you know, the, you expect them to teach you, you know, the meaning of life pretty much and how to be in the world. And it's like, they, they're, they're, they don't know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and their parents certainly didn't teach them. And this is stuff that, you know, this is, um, this is just stuff that you've got to kind of get out there and experience. And sometimes when these um, less fun things happen, um, that's where we learn the most, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, it's like often when something incredibly, yeah, like what you've you've talked about that you've been through, it takes something mm. really extreme to make you really realize, okay, of, you know, I'm, I've, I can't wait for these answers. I've got to go and just, you know, do what, my gut's telling me to do now and, you know, not wait for permission for all these different things that I want yeah. to do with my life or how I want to live it. You know, it's, um, mm. yeah, but it, mm. it's a, I guess it's a continual learning curve, isn't it? It's sort of, um, you know, you, you've got to, I, I think that's another thing for people to understand that it's not like, uh, I can just, um, you know, have these realizations and have, and make a decision that I'm going to now, live my life in this way and then that's what's going to happen it's literally well i think anyway it's like the same as um you know exercise for example i want to lose 10 kilograms if i go and um exercise and diet for the next three months and lose the weight if i stop doing the things that got me there the weight will come back on you know this is a daily practice you don't just get you don't just master it and then stop yeah it's a couple of things to that point too it's like you know Sometimes when we have an agenda, like I want to lose a certain amount of, or even people coming to meditation who say I want to be less anxious, you know, I often say surrender the agenda because if you just do the practice because it's the right thing to do, then the rest, then, you know, losing weight or, or, or becoming less anxious are, are side effects. And, mm-hmm. and I'd say the same thing mm-hmm. about happiness. If you just live a full life, you'll be happy and it'll be a, it'll be a byproduct. It's not a, it's not a destination. Um, Absolutely, it, yeah. You know, and, and yeah, the Buddhists yeah. would say right action, and you know, it's right that you eat well. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's right that you move your body. It's right that you meditate. These are just the right things to do. They're dis- disciplinary things that you should just do in your life. And if you do them, the side effect is going to be all the stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll you'll find a balance with your weight. You'll be less anxious, and they're not destinations. I think that's so important, and yeah, I like the way it's so simple the way you've put it, which I think it's important for people to hear and. Um, because we, you know, and it's just reminded me about a few things then as well, because, you know, you we live, again, it's just that the way we've been taught that everything's a destination, everything's outcome-based, everything's about do it to get something. It's like if you can find a way to just live your daily life where it's giving you that joy and it's healthy and it's good for you, um, you can still go and do everything else, but you're already living it, you're already doing it, 
And like you're saying, you're not waiting, you don't need permission, you're not doing it because when I get to this destination, things are going to be okay. It's already good now. Um, and that's it. It's just like simple, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. And I, I remember having this realization, like maybe four or five years ago, I was like thinking about all these different things I wanted to do and achieve. And I was like grappling with these different parts of myself. And, and then I was thinking about the things that I was like, hang on, if I never made any money, never had any access to anything, like what do I actually enjoy? And I was like, oh, I love, you know, like exercising every day. I love you know, all these things, I love helping people, I love doing this, and I was like, hey, do I need anything else than I have right now to do it? And the answer was no, and this, like, wave of um, just, uh, it was just this absolute release of, like, oh, my God, it's like, I can do it all now. But then very quickly, um, my mind then went, no, that's too easy, I need it to be harder, like, life can't be that easy. So it's like that weird thing where, you've got to just accept that it doesn't have to be that we almost want it to be harder because it's like, we can't accept that we can just be, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to mm. be, you know, enjoy. It's okay to enjoy yourself. Like it's that, it's a weird thing. No, it is a weird thing. And, and yeah, but the other, the other view is too, that if, if you think that all these things are destinations, you'll soon realize that none of them are permanent states. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, you might think that happiness, once you get there, then you're happy. You know, but, but the next day you're sad again, you know? Yeah. And it's like yeah. this constantly transient state. So that's why it's a side effect of just, of just hey, showing up. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing. The other thing that came up for me when you were speaking is this idea of the, 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 the change paradox, which basically says um, you can't change until you, have your, until, you're, until you accept where you are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're like losing weight, taking that example, until you accept yourself at the weight that you currently are, you're not going to be able to change that. So if you're constantly fighting, you know, that I'm too large and I need to change, then it's going to be much more difficult. And so it's a real paradox there that, you know, obviously change is, is, is eventually where you want to go, but you've actually got to be completely accepting of where you are in that moment in order to change. Not in denial about... So, yeah, because yeah, we all like, like to be in denial, don't we? It's like, that's the comfort zone to let's deny the reality because hurts our our ego to or, or just not not yeah not not want to be un, be uncomfortable in it i guess is the point you know it's like you know in, in my cancer for example I, there was no way i was going to go on a healing journey until i'd accepted the fact that this is the situation i was in and being okay with that and the other point is that acceptance doesn't mean agreement either like you don't have to say it's okay you can say i accept it, it's still not okay you know yeah um yeah. And, and people don't get that particularly yeah with, like maybe you know i'll take a big example like let's say you know um having lost a loved one people say you're going to have to accept it and it's like i don't want to it's like well i'm not saying you have to agree with the fact that it's happened i'm not saying you have to be okay with it mm -hmm. i'm just saying you've got to accept you've got to let go and, and and accept that it has happened but i'm still not okay with it that's yeah. that's that's acceptance not not yeah. not some form of implicit being okay with it you know um, yeah. i'm i'm definitely not okay with the fact that my sister committed suicide and the fact that I miss her every single day, mm. but but I accept it. Two different, to not, two different things. To not accept it would just be to live in you know in turmoil. You'd yeah, be. yeah. There'd just be this this conflict in, inside me, you know, the whole mm -hmm. time. So mm -hmm. I think it's an important point that I make to people. It's like very it, important. It, it's very like important. yeah, acceptance doesn't mean agreement. Yeah, yeah. With with something and, that's happened there's such a big difference between between the 
the two what you're talking about but yeah just mm. accepting it yeah yeah and, and, and again this it's it's related to this concept that i'm not quite sure i haven't quite got my head around it yet but there's something about the difference between giving up and giving in you know because giving in means it's something about this turning inward process it's almost a surrendering mm. whereas, whereas mm. giving up is i can't do this anymore and and so you just literally down tools you know and you can get into these terrible places um, it's that labeling and saying it's almost saying I'm pathetic, I'm not good enough. I give yeah, up. Yeah. Where, whereas the other's saying, again, I accept I, and that. I surrender to it, and 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 again, yeah. I might not be okay with it, but mm. I accept. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Which it's yep. interesting because yeah, it sort of doesn't sound like there's a big difference, but then when you look at it like that, there is. There is a very in, in big the, difference to, to the psyche. I think there's a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was I remember when I was in the in the psych ward actually, and I used to literally say out loud, "I can't believe this has happened." And and you mm. know you hear that cliche all the time, but if you think about that, yeah, I lit yeah, I, yeah. I, I literally couldn't believe that it had happened, and so yeah. therefore there was this rift in my psyche because I was existing in a world where it had happened, yeah. yet I couldn't believe it, <laughs> yeah. and so that was just ripping my mind in half. So you're just in complete shock at that point. You just yeah. Like, so you're kind of like the brain. That's why the brain just ceases to function because it gets overwhelmed by holding those two polarities. And it's like, well, how can you be in a situation that you don't actually believe has happened? Yeah. Um, and, and and this is the non-acceptance part. That's what non-acceptance yeah. looks like, and that's why it's a very, it's it's such a tough, painful place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Just your whole world sort of caving in around you. Well, and it's like it happens. You might have been there, Nick. You know, you, you wake up in the morning, and it's it's almost like it's just happened again. And that's because of mm-hmm. this non-acceptance, because you haven't believed it. And so you wake up, and you're like, and then it hits you like it's whatever the it is. Oh, it's, it I, hits you like a ton of bricks, and and it's it's literally your body and brain is going through as if it's just happened again. And that's where you live, mm-hmm. and that's what non-acceptance looks like. And I, I have been there, not not in as extreme of a way that that you have, but yeah, you know, I even remember a, a few years back, not long after we had met, I'd been through sort of my first heartbreak. It had a business fall apart, and had all these things happen with, that I had built my world on, and some of it was probably ego based as well. But everything happened at once, and there was you know a six month or no more, probably nine to twelve month period where exactly what you said, wake up, soon as I was conscious, just my mind imploding anxiety um just this absolute fear um and it wouldn't go away till i went to sleep again that night and it was there it was just it it, it's horrific it's like Mm. it is it's torture you're going through it all day every day and you can't get away from it and Mm. Mm. again it's probably from like what you're saying i wasn't accepting these things had actually happened and you're fighting them and you're just in turmoil every day and i always wonder um in that sort of 10 seconds or so when you first wake up and life is blissful, you know, it's like, oh, and then the thinking mind kicks in and it's like this, this weight just goes, oh my God, that that's happened, you know? And I'm, I always, I'm always wondering like, what's going on in the mind during that previous 10 seconds when, when the thinking mind hasn't clicked in again? And is that, is that the space that we get to? Is that, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm constantly wondering mm. about, um, and, and then I think, in those 10 seconds or so it's like um how do we cultivate that because because there's sort of i don't know there's something in there that's kind of quite beautiful you're in this kind of liminal space and 
maybe I don't know we can we can work with that somehow I'm not I'm not sure it's just yeah. it's, it's really interesting to me what that space means and I'm sure some neuroscientist will, will tell me but it's more than just being tired mm. and the brain waking up it's something else and then it's like that's the natural state we should be in or that maybe we're meant to be in it, but is that it yeah I mean it's it, there's a conversation around that which I'm, people mm. smarter that smarter than us and probably are all, are all over but you know it's when the default mode the worry mode, the, the you know, the, the, literally the default mode network, the DMN part of the brain kicks in, then we get that sinking feeling again if we're in that place. Yeah, and yeah. it's just and and that's that's why it's called the default mode. It's it's such an interesting thing to me. Um, yeah, and I'm not overly well versed in in neuroscience. And again, you, you get someone on who's a guest who can speak to that because I I'll think have it's, to. It's, it's, yeah. it's 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 fascinating. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So many. Oh, absolutely. I'll have to put that on the agenda mode get, get, yeah, someone, yeah, get yeah. a neuroscientist on yeah uh, for sure <laughs> uh so what i and this is a pretty broad question but in simple terms you know for some people out there that are struggling and um you know also you know i want to put um links to your work and you know with where they can go for to access you and you know your men's groups and everything else um what would be some advice you would give to someone that is struggling and listening to this and you know what can they do what are some simple things they can start to do to try and you know make that change yeah i think we sort of touched on it earlier when we talked about some form of meditation or journaling or just find some time yep. in your day and and you know even if i said even if it's a contemplative you know walk around the block but you know do it differently maybe start to notice stuff in in, in the neighborhood that you you know, and that you didn't see before, you know, sort of open up the mind a little bit and try to mm. kind of clear out some, some of the junk that way. And, and I've always found journaling, even if you don't know what to say. I mean, I, there's been times in my journaling life when I've written um, thinking, thinking, writing, writing, just literally that word over and over again. And, but eventually you get into the sort of um, stream where you're, it, it, your subconscious starts to come through and, and things start to happen, you know. But and, and I know for people that are in a really tough place, with their mental health like even five minutes is so so tough so i know some people might be listening to this and going that that's just too much you know mm -hmm. but you, you you just make the step smaller you know um i often like to say lower your sights because yeah. <laughs> we because we're because we're told something you know raise your you raise your sights so much you can do more you can be bigger well sometimes the opposite is true and just taking these tiny little incremental steps every day can lead to something but i would also say that um that bringing in these small disciplines you know micro disciplines into your life lead to bigger disciplines and, and bigger disciplines and, and oddly enough it's the discipline which is going to bring you back you know the discipline and happiness are so related to one another and it sounds so counterintuitive but it's not you know mm -hmm. if, if i take a man for example who's just broken up with his girlfriend if i go around to his house there's going to be pizza boxes all over the floor and empty beer cans and he's going to be unshaven and he's not taking care of himself because discipline's gone out the window. So if I, if I reverse that situation and say, how do you get yourself back to where you were before? It starts with cleaning up the house. Mm -hmm. So, and that's discipline. So, you know, a way you could help a man in that situation would actually be to um, help him vacuum or something or clean the house and, you know, um, yeah yeah so it, so if you get there so that's why discipline's so important i always say that maybe the most important thing you do in your day is make your bed yeah um, I, and if you yeah if you had a really no, shitty could... shitty day and you come home and your bed's made there's some beautiful stuff it's like well i did something for myself yeah. and and i get to 
jump into bed with just yeah this it's a tiny micro discipline but it, it make it means a lot yeah it's that feeling of a, a little bit of achievement satisfaction you know just doing something and and i always say similar thing to what you said if someone's wanting to make a change in whatever it is um actually aim for something easier or smaller than you know what you think you are capable of because yeah, then because yeah. it's, it's just taking the action normally and it, it's a ironic thing when you're in that mental state and you you know you like you're saying if five minutes sounds overwhelming um you get so stuck in just where you're at that taking any actions too hard but just doing a tiny little step and breaking it often then the rest is easy you just you know you, you can then actually keep going and you know go for a 20 minute walk around the block instead of a five minute walk or whatever it is um, yeah, but it's yeah. just ha- taking that first bit of action to you know it's tricking the mind or clicking the mind out of that rut that it's in and the thinking and just getting it you know out of that it, that's the hard bit yeah, and, and look, the science is all showing us with meditation that the most powerful meditations in terms of changing your state are around self-compassion. And so for me, it's like if you are going to take on board like a little tiny discipline or something like that, if that's the place where you're in, it's got to be a micro action like that. It's like make it about doing something for yourself. Like mm-hmm. even if it's like, you know, cutting your toenails, like it's, yeah. it, that's an act of self-compassion. Even if it's like cleaning your teeth because you've let that go because you just you know, cause, cause you're in a bad place, just something tiny, but for, for yourself can often be a really important move to make. It's like, you know, what mm. can I do no matter how small, just to bring some semblance of self-compassion back, you know, it's like that I'm of worth and that I consider myself of worth, you know? Um, Absolutely. So it, it can be tiny, you know, these changes, you know, they, they, they take time, but it's to do with discipline. Mm. You know, there's, um, again, I'm going to quote, um, um, Robert Bly, who was in fact quoting Hafez, who's a beautiful, a beautiful Sufi poet, and he said, um, "Angels only begin to shine when they achieve discipline." Mm. Yeah. And there's this idea that even to be an angel requires some form of disciplinary practice. You know? Yeah, hundred. <laughs> I I agree though. Like you can't. You know, it's not about, and it's again not about having to do everything all at once or in an overwhelming way it's just doing showing up every day and doing it and Mm. i mean even going back to that example i gave before when i was overwhelmed for that period the only thing that kept me going through then was i did have disciplines i would when and i've reverted back to this anytime i have felt like my world's falling apart i exercise every day i journal i meditate i do all these things and they're things that are for me and that i can control um and when i have had that falling apart that's what's got me through um, yeah, and it's yeah, just it's yeah. such a discipline that you just like I do it every day I don't think about it it's just what you do and that it helps in a profound way yeah like if you, if you can get to the point where you just kind of make them non-negotiables I think exactly. that's um that's a big thing but you know plenty of people out there and, and you and I have both been there in that place when that's just not possible and, and then it's down mm. to you know what I, what I call the micro disciplines it's just these tiny tiny little things you know and lowering your sights <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Whatever, whatever you can do. Um, you so, can do. Hmm. and we'll put it in the notes of this episode. But where where can people go if they want to find out more about you and um, book sessions, look at the work you're doing? Where can they go? Yeah, I mean, look, asherpackman dot com is probably the easiest because it contains sort of everything in the one place. Um, like with all my Perfect. social media bits and pieces, um, I'm, I'm not huge on social media. I, I 
you know, I'm more of an Instagram guy than a Facebook guy, but, um, yeah. but, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's all, it's all there, the various things, the sort of upcoming workshops and, and bits and pieces. So that's where I'd point people. Yeah, perfect. And we'll have a link to that at the, um, in the episode notes so people can um, go and check it out. Um, so we finish every episode with these same five questions. So, and these are sort of, um, you know, these can be whatever comes to mind, you know, not enough to be long-winded answers, just quick answers that come to mind, but um, just find it interesting sort of finishing every, asking every guest the, these questions and seeing what comes up. Um, so the first one is uh, best childhood memory. Oh, best childhood memory. You know, when, when I close my eyes and I think about myself um, as a five-year-old, I always get this image of me um, sitting in the top of this tree that I used to climb. It's the same image that comes up. So I clearly, that was clearly a blissful moment for me. So I'm going to say perched in the top of a tree. I like that. I, climbing trees is like my favorite thing to do as a kid. I love that. So mm. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, what do you see as the biggest burden on mental health in society today? Hmm. I think it's probably still the stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, even though even though we're working so hard on that, we've come such a long way. Um, particularly for men, I'd say still the stigma. So, yeah. um, staying in silence because you know, concerning about what people are going to say or being labelled. Mm. Yeah, definitely, it's still got a long way to go. Mm. Uh, what? Where do you see mental health? Um, in 10 years time in society do you see things and we touched on this and this is a pretty big answer so just in simple terms you know do you see things improving and getting better do you see change more change happening do you see a bit of both um maybe i'll say something which shouldn't be but might be radical and i'm just going to say um um embracing plant medicine yeah and I think some of the clinical trials that we're seeing around right now um, are really encouraging. Um, and I think that we should we should collectively come at these things with a much more open mind. Like we're starting to see some changes now. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, nature has a lot of medicine. And, yeah. um, and I think we've, we've, we've made some, some pretty poor decisions um, over the last little while. And uh, I think we need to open our minds up to the possibility of, of, of plant medicine and its efficacy. And some people are starting to, but yeah, like you're saying, hopefully, you know, there will be that broader change over time and people will start to look at, be much more open to these different options that are out there rather than being so set in how they see everything. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's the way. I'm just saying we just, yeah. need, to broad- we just Being- need to broaden um, broaden our perspective a little bit. Yep. Mm. Um, so two more. Um, what's your personal definition of happiness? The freedom to be myself. I like, I haven't had that one. That's good. Yeah, nice and simple. Yeah, that's really good. Powerful. Mm. The freedom to be yourself, because that's everything really, isn't it? It's like Yeah, look, I think, you a, know, your purpose in life is, is becoming yourself and, and that's, that's, that's that, cha- that, that changes every day because I'm not the same man that I was yesterday. So that's why it's a lifelong journey because if you're constantly trying to be yourself and you're always a moving target, then um, that's the work. 
and it's to you go can... it's to go with that flow like a like a river on you know just yeah and just being curious about where the river flows it's a good That's... mantra to have the freedom to be yourself like we, we could do a podcast just on that one topic because it's <laughs> it's that kind of thing you know you it's like you said you find okay i think this is how i want to live my life this is who i am i want to live according to that and then if people become aware of that they try and and then you change your mind. They tell you, oh, you shouldn't have changed your mind because, you know, you, that's what you now are. And so to be able to actually just not know and change all the time, because that's, that's yeah. the reality, isn't it? It's like mm. we do change. Yeah, so I really like that. Yeah, and we're always sort of trying to be something that other people expect us to be and these things. And these are the things that constrain our happiness, you know. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, the author Brett Easton Ellis, um, he starts his book, Lunar Park. The opening line is, I do a wonderful impression of myself. Mm. And, and mm. I felt the sadness in that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, the freedom to be yourself. That's, that's what makes us happy. Yeah. Anyway, to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. I like it. Um, so final one, uh, most courageous thing you've ever done. Uh, I'm going to get heavy here and say... Um, not killed myself you know I've been in a place I've been suicidal a few times and um, it took a lot of courage to remain hang around for a bit longer and see what see what unfolded absolutely so, yeah that would be what comes to mind well thank god you didn't mate because you're you know you're out there helping people you're helping me through having this chat and I'm sure you'll be helping a lot of other people that listen to it and the work you're doing uh, is amazing. And I've always, you know, loved just getting to know you and being able to, you know, talk. I've always enjoyed talking to you. And again, just want to say thank you for coming and having the chat today. I've really enjoyed it and I'm sure that it will help a lot of people. Oh, thanks, man. Look, it's always a joy talking to you, Nick. I, I love it. So um, when I got the call up, I was thrilled. So um, yeah, man, look forward to plenty more. Appreciate it, mate. This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Boozer. Thanks to Asher Packman for joining me today for Move Your Mind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 